Hello, namaste everyone, and welcome to Living from the Heart. My name is Zach Beach, and if this is your first time joining us, welcome. I begin each talk with a short poem of my own and follow it with a 30-minute Dharma talk. And I close out each session with a meditation to integrate what we've learned from the talk. And today, I wanted to talk about what it means to see the world through the eyes of love. And today's poem is called Correspondence. Dear Universe, I wish to move back in time. I feel like I'm on borrowed life, like neither this world nor this body is mine, and especially not meant for me. There is sorrow, betrayal, pain, hidden in the corners, in the street lamps, in brick walls and alleyways. The seasons wear down on my skin so that I feel way too much. Reply. My sweet child, I give you flowers, but you see only stems. I give you stars, but you see only empty space. Even the most cerulean rivers have muddy banks. Your concern for yourself and others reflect nothing but love. For warriors like yourself, it is better to be overly sensitive. It helps one find the way, the beauty and mystery, and the soft center I placed at the heart of every living being. And the poem reflects how what we see in the world is a reflection of ourselves. How this reality that we live in passes through a lens. And just like when you wear sunglasses, the entire world appears to be dark, so too the lens that we see the world through affects our perception of reality. And we are in control, whether we realize it or not, of what passes through that lens. And it's important to make sure that we see the world through the lens of love. It is important to recognize how our emotions color our perceptions, our beliefs frame our realities, and how our thoughts have an effect on what we see and experience in the world. And this isn't some high and mighty idea. It's really quite simple. For example, when you're hungry, walking down the street, all you see are restaurants and pictures of food on the billboards. But of course, if you have to use the bathroom, your experience is much different, and you're lamenting in the lack of public bathrooms that there are. So there's a saying, when a pickpocket sees a saint, he only sees the saint's pockets. And if our mind is stuck in a negativity bias, if our mind is not seeing the world through the lens of love, we miss out on the wonder and mystery and beauty that is around us. And the poet Jane Hirschfield put it this way, The happy see only happiness, the living see only life, the young see only the young. And the poet Mary Oliver put it this way, you wouldn't believe what once or twice I have seen. I'll tell you this. Only if there are angels in your head will you ever see possibly just one.
I love that line. Only if there are angels in your head will you ever possibly see one. So you can take the poet's perspective or you can take the scientific perspective because they are both the same. Our moods, our beliefs affect our very perception. For example, when you think of depression, what colors do you think of? And you probably don't think of green trees and yellow sunflowers. But when you think of depression, you think of colors like black and dark blue and gray. And indeed, this is what the research shows. A study by researchers in the Department of Psychology and Psychiatry at the University of Freiburg in Germany did a study, and they found that those with depression have what they call decreased retinal sensitivity. And what that means is that people with depression literally see more gray in the world. They see less contrast. They see less color. So it should be no surprise to know the phrase like, we are feeling blue, or the whole world seems gray, or there is a cloud covering my life. These aren't just metaphors. These are descriptions used to describe our very real, verifiable, and lived experience. I remember a number of years ago, before the world closed up and we could all still travel, I had two back-to-back 200-hour -back yoga teacher trainings in Bali. And these yoga teacher trainings are three-week immersions. We wake up at 5.30 to meditate every day and continue to practice, to learn about the philosophy and wisdom and teachings of yoga all the way until the nighttime. And you might know about the island of Bali from the book and movie Eat, Pray, Love, or maybe you've been there yourself. But the island has a reputation of kind of being paradise. And before COVID happened, it received over 7 million visitors a year. However, some people come to Bali and come to this island thinking it's going to look just like it does in the Instagram photos. But Bali isn't the Bahamas. It's a large island. It's about 100 miles across both ways. And yes, there is tremendous beauty with a really incredible and fascinating culture. But there are also industrial areas, places under construction, there are stray dogs, and there is visible poverty in certain places. So many people come with certain unrealistic expectations. And the question is, are you going to see the saint? Or are you going to see the saint's pockets? Are you going to see the flowers? Or are you going to see the stems? And I remember I had these back-to-back -back trainings, and with the first training, the students had a fairly negative lens. And each day I would receive feedback that the food isn't very good and the rooms are dark and dingy and the yoga shala was dirty. And upon hearing this feedback, I too started to feel the same way. I too suddenly started seeing this retreat center in the same light that my students were. And that three-week immersion passed. And then an entirely new group came. And this group brought a totally different energy. And one student I remember couldn't stop gushing about how beautiful the grounds were and how every day they felt like they were walking in a postcard. And another student said that they had dreamed of this place previously, they didn't know where it was, and now it was like their dreams coming true. And another said that they had never eaten such good food in their life. 
And upon hearing this feedback from the students, I too started seeing the world as they were describing it. And I realized this is a really beautiful place to be. And I use this example to express how two people can experience the very same reality very differently. We all have different lenses that we see and perceive the world through. And the question again is, are you seeing the flowers or the stems, the saint or the saint's pockets? Because so much of our lens that we see the world through is heavily influenced by other people and heavily influenced by society and culture. And there are many ways to think and be in this world. As I mentioned, I love teaching yoga. And yoga can be many different things to different people. To some, yoga is strictly a physical exercise that they do for an hour three times a week. For others, yoga is a spiritual practice. It is a path to union with the divine. But what is interesting to me is that a few thousand years ago, yoga was considered a darshana. And we translate the word darshana in the West to mean philosophical school. And in the readings, you'll find that there are about nine or ten traditional philosophical schools in ancient India. Some of these darshanas you might know, like Buddhism and Jainism and Vedanta, and some others you might not know, like Charvaka and Mamansa schools. But anyway, darshana, when directly translated, it doesn't mean philosophical school. It means way of seeing or kind of like our worldview. And it's such an important thing to recognize what our worldview is. So for example, when you look outside and you see a tree, what do you see? Right? Science would say that you are looking at a species of plant, and that plant is undergoing photosynthesis, taking in energy via photons from the sun, combining that with carbon dioxide, integrating that into its cell walls. But this is simply one perspective. If you talk to a shaman, for example, directly connected to the earth, they might tell you that this tree is a manifestation of tree spirit, that this tree is alive and sentient and conscious just like you and me, and that we as human beings can communicate, talk to, and learn from this entity. And sometimes you hear stories about rich people who will cut down trees off in the distance because they are blocking their view. And the lens that this person is seeing through sees this as an obstacle, as something that is in their way. Meanwhile, a carpenter might look at the tree and think how it could be made into a coffee table or wood flooring, and then it becomes what can this be used for? And these are all the lenses that we see the world through. The Spanish writer Eduardo Galeano wrote this. The church says the body is a sin. Science says the body is a machine. Advertising says the body is a business. And the body says, I am a fiesta. I love that last line. The body says, I am a fiesta. Did you know that your body speaks Spanish? So it's important to look at what lens do we see the world through. When we look at our body, do we see it as a sin, as a machine, as a business, or as a fiesta? 
When we look in the mirror, what do we see? Do we see this beautiful, amazing miracle before us? Or do we only see the zits on our face and the imperfections that we experience in our bodies? So much of our lens is shaped by society. And we live in a very capitalistic society, a very materialistic society. And the lens that our society looks through is through this lens of materialistic capitalism. How can we take resources in the world and convert them to be more productive and to sell them? So society views something like a mountain, and it sees the untapped wealth of trees that could be cut down, and minerals that could be mined, and rivers that could be dammed for energy. But it doesn't see the beauty of the deer, and the owls, and the flowers, and the streams. And it doesn't see the mountain spirit like many cultures do. The anthropologist Wade Davis noted this, and he said, A young kid in the high Andes who believes that the mountain is a nurturing spirit that will direct his destiny would be a profoundly different human being from a kid in Pennsylvania raised to believe that a mountain is a pile of coal ready to be mined. So what is the lens? What is your lens? A lot of what we see in the world depends on our own egos. It all depends on what we want. If we are hungry, we see restaurants. If we are horny, we only look for people we are attracted to, people that we can mate with. Like, imagine you're sitting at home in a cozy alcove. The fire in the fireplace is burning. You have a cup of tea, a good book, and slowly it starts to rain. And you can hear the gentle pitter-patter of raindrops on the roof and hitting the window. You see the raindrops fall down, make those lovely little trails, and the outside world becomes shrouded. It's lovely, right? It's a lovely romantic accentuation of where you are in your life. But now imagine it's your wedding day. And now, of course, this rain is ruining your life. It's ruining the day that you have been planning for many, many months. So the same phenomena that we experience in this world can mean totally opposite things, depending on what we want, depending on our current life circumstance. So in another poem of mine, I wrote this. Coffee tables, a termite's food, a carpenter's project, an artist's masterpiece, a resting place for books no one reads, and a platform for my feet today. But tonight, in the dark, it will become my big toe's worst enemy. Life is what you make it. Meanwhile, I'm here, roof over my head. The mood is set for poetry and wine. Looking out the window, a woman in the street ducks for cover underneath an awning, clutching a purse above her head and cursing the weather. A store owner scrambles to cover his fruits. A smiling child jumps from puddle to puddle. A red robin hop, hop, hops around, looking for worms pushed up by the flooding of their underground homes. There is one world, of course, of which we are all members but we all perceive it differently. We make our own reality. Do you see the beauty behind it all? It's there. Look through your heart for a change. See the love, it's there too. 
Our first task on the path of living from the heart is to understand the lens that we see through, because we can't change what we don't understand. And our next task is to soften, to see love. Our task is to open to all the love that is around us. The spiritual teacher and author Marianne Williamson put it this way, and she wrote, The world changes when we change. The world softens when we soften. The world loves us when we choose to love the world. Love is a level of opening, softening. Love is like saying yes. There's a story of an enlightened monk who lived on the top of a mountain. And some young disciples at the base of the mountain decided that they wanted to take a pilgrimage up to this enlightened being. And this journey took many days. And they trudged through the snow and tented and slept out in the snow at night. And finally they made it to the top of this mountain. They entered this enlightened being's hut and they find him sitting there, cross-legged, meditating, completely naked. And the monks avert their eyes and they say, Oh my gosh, where are your clothes? Where are your pants? Why are you not wearing anything? And this enlightened being opened its eyes and looked at these disciples and said, What do you mean? This entire world is my hut and this hut is my pants. So what are you doing in my pants? And I love this story because it shows two different lens that we can see the world through. And we want to expand our lens. We want to discard the layers of social, capitalistic, materialistic conditioning in order to fully live from the heart and see the world through the lens of love. Because when we do choose to love the world, we see that the world loves us back. And seeing the world through the eyes of love means seeing no separation at all. And the lens that we are supposed to view the world through is one of separation. The scientific endeavor, for example, in its attempt to label and categorize every piece of the world, has created a world of separate entities following Newtonian physics interacting with each other like objects. But this lens is only part of the greater and larger truth, which is that everything is connected. That you cannot have flowers without bees, and you cannot have trees without clouds. And the Vietnamese monk Thich Nhat Hanh has this lovely lecture where he holds up a piece of paper, and he says, do you see the cloud in this piece of paper? And it's a blank piece of paper, so the audience says, no, I do not see anything. And he says, this paper would not exist without the tree. The tree would not exist without the rain, and the rain would not exist without a cloud. So a true poet can see the cloud in the piece of paper, just as a true poet can see how everything is infused with everything else. And this is what it means to see the world through the eyes of love. The sense of separateness of everything dissolves. We see how John Weir put it when he said, when you try to excise anything from its environment, you see how it is connected to everything else. 
So the sense of separateness of everything dissolves through the lens of love, including, and this is the most exciting part, our sense of a separate self. Our sense of ourselves as a separate and isolated identity caught up in an alien world dissolves, which is the MO for the human experience. It's that most people go about their days experiencing themselves as a subject in an external objective world. But when that sense of separation dissolves, we see only connection. There's a question of inquiry I love. And it goes like this. When a church bell rings, is it the bell that is ringing? The air that is ringing? Your ear that is ringing? Or your mind that is ringing? And the answer is, well, all four of those things. Everything is ringing, right? But a normal lens of reality is a way of seeing the world that makes it seem like there is an I in here that is experiencing a world out there. So despite the fact that our ear is ringing and our mind is creating this mental image of ringing, we experience that as our experience with the bird that is out there. But of course, it is all happening and we are inexorably tied in it. So seeing nothing but connection and love is a natural result of becoming awakened to the true nature of reality, the true nature of the way things are. And in seeing the world through the lens of love, we also see the secret beauty in everyone. We see the inherent goodness in everyone. You might call this Christ consciousness, or Buddha nature, or just simply our fundamental goodness. In his book, Conjectures of a Guilty Bystander, the Christian mystic Thomas Merton described his sudden realization of our connectedness, and he described it like this. Then it was as if I suddenly saw the secret beauty of their hearts, the depths of their hearts where neither sin nor desire nor self-knowledge can reach the core of their reality, the person that each one is in God's eyes. If only they could all see themselves as they really are. If only we could see each other that way all the time. There would be no more war no more hatred, no more cruelty, and no more greed. I love that. And that's what it means to see the world through the eyes of love, to see the person that each one is in God's eyes. Another interpretation we have of the world when we see it through the eyes of love is we see everyone walking on this planet as a little love sponge. And what I mean by that is human beings need love in order to survive. And our young, our infants and babies are extraordinarily dependent on others for their survival. And none of us would be here today if we did not receive love, affection, and attention of many other human beings. 
Somebody had to be there when we came into this life to provide us with the food, shelter, and protection that we needed in order to survive. So we absorbed love the first 18 years of our life. And you can see everyone as a result of that love. These little love sponges. We exist because of love. Love is what brought us into being. Now, you might think that seeing the world through the eyes of love is all sunshine and rainbows. And maybe I made it seem like that so far. But the truth of the matter is, seeing the world through the lens of love does not mean ignoring the shadow side, the negative side, and the challenges and suffering that is existing in the world. And actually, seeing the world through the lens of love requires a willingness to face that suffering. It means opening ourselves up to the suffering of the world. It means seeing the world through the eyes of compassion, which involves both a willingness to face the suffering that we see and a desire to have that suffering be alleviated. It is a matter of recognizing our common humanity, that we all want to be happy and none of us want to be in pain. And seeing the world through the lens of love means stopping wishing that anything was different. Because when we are wishing that things are different, we aren't fully with what is. We aren't fully with the people that matter. The spiritual teacher Ram Das put it this way, and he said, the art form is to stay wide open and vulnerable in life and sit with the mystery and with the awe and with the pain. Sit with it all. What the human condition is at the moment has in it greed and lust and fear and anger and violence. And it has all of that stuff but it also has beauty, tenderness, joy, care, and play. And I'll tell you, if you think you can be happy by denying the pain and sadness in the world, I'll tell you that isn't true happiness. The cost of armoring your heart against what is, is more costly than you may appreciate. So this is the art of staying open. We see the beauty in the world, and we have a willingness to face the pain and suffering of others so that we can also expand our compassion. Because we don't want to armor our heart. We don't want to create separation from ourselves and the world. And this is universal too. We all have that experience of armoring our heart. We get hurt in love. And we resolve never to get hurt again. We swear off relationships. But that only works for so long because, of course, we need love, connection, and belonging. So cutting ourselves off from the world does not work. It keeps us separate and it keeps us small. And our task is to stay open. Our task is to let our heart break open again and again and again until... It stays open. So seeing the world through the eyes of love means not simply being happy all the time, but increasing our capacity to be with what is. The happiness and the sadness, the joy and the suffering, 
the pain and the pleasure. So the lens of love sees everything, the connection of everything, the belonging of everything, and the sense of self dissolves, and we experience nothing but the grace of pure love. So for our meditation today, I wanted it to be one of blessing. And there's a Jewish blessing that I love, and it's a phrase that goes like this. May you be who you are, and may you be blessed in all that you are. And for our meditation, I wanted us to think of different people and to extend our love and blessings to them and then close out our meditation by blessing ourselves as well. Our task is to love everyone and ourselves too. We're included in the loving of everyone. So to begin, find yourself sitting comfortably. And feel into your foundation. And from this solid foundation, straighten and elevate the spine. Relax the shoulders. Make a conscious decision where to put your palms. And let us ground our energy down by inhaling through the nose. And making a slow exhale through the mouth. Try that two more times. Inhale, nose. Exhale, mouth. Last one. And then simply inhale and exhale through the nostrils. And drop your attention from the head to the heart. Feel the chest move with each breath. Feel the lungs expand. And drop into that place of love, light, truth, and wisdom. And from this place of the heart, picture somebody in your life who you care deeply about. It could be a partner, a family member, or a friend. Somebody with whom it's easy to extend your loving kindness to. Picture this person and feel a warmth and a light emanating from your chest. Reaching out 
to touch this person. And as you take an inhale, on your exhale, you can repeat in your mind, may you be who you are. And on your next inhale, on your exhale, you can say, and may you be blessed in all that you are. May you be who you are. And may you be blessed in all that you are. And love their entire being. The good, the bad, the happiness, the sadness, the successes and failures that they have had in their life. We bless it all. May you be who you are, and may you be blessed in all that you are. Recognizing that we cannot love someone and try to change them at the same time. So in this moment, accept and love all parts of this person. May you be who you are, and may you be blessed in all that you are. And now, shifting our attention from somebody we care deeply about to somebody else in our life who is suffering in some way. There is a big as suffering like sickness and the loss of a loved one, and there is small as suffering. Like experiencing negative challenges in our life and picture somebody in your life who's having a hard time right now for whatever reason and feel that same warmth and light of love and compassion emanating towards this person And we can add the mantra, may you be free from your suffering. And may you be who you are. And may you be blessed in all that you are.
may you be who you are, and may you be blessed in all that you are. May you be free from your suffering, and may you be who you are, and may you be blessed in all that you are. And finally, we can extend our blessing to ourselves. Bringing your attention to yourself and facing all parts of yourself, the good and the bad, the success and the failures, the positive actions, and the mistakes. And may you think of all that you wish to grow into. And may you repeat the mantras, may I be who I am. And may I be blessed in all that I am. Release any desire to change, improve anything about you. Remove any desire. To change anything about who you are and what you are in this moment, accepting yourself fully, completely. May I be who I am, and may I be blessed in all that I am.
May I accept myself just as I am. May I be who I am, and may I be blessed in all that I am. Releasing any focus of our attention, recognizing the love for others, the love for ourselves, is the same love. And that love is who we are. Resting. Being. Loving awareness. Closing it out with one final prayer. Be still, be happy, be loving, be kind, be humble, be magical, be aware, be divine. Don't judge. See the good in each and every soul. Use your mind when needed, but follow your heart even more. May you follow your heart, may you live from your heart, and may you see this world through the lens of love. Thank you for joining me today, and thank you for being you. Namaste.